uh, it was a group called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship uh, back in the day. Anybody remember the, that group there? Uh, it was started by a fellow by the name of Dima Sakarian back in the, uh, I think it started in the 50s or 60s. And um, it was a huge, it was a huge organization worldwide. And um, I was a member of it when I was like 17 years old. And I'd go to conferences and uh, in Nashville and, and like Gatlinburg and different places. As a teenager and, and early in my college years, I'd go to these conferences just by myself, you know. And, um, and you know, all the people that were big names in, in our circles by, at that time were involved in these conferences. You know, T.L. Osborne, Brother Hagen, um, Alessa Sumrall. Uh, I'm not sure if Oral Roberts was doing any of those meetings at that time. Uh, but a lot of these uh, big-name preachers, of course, I, and I probably saw all of them but didn't have any clue of who they were. Uh, but the whole purpose of Full Gospel Businessmen's was started because the Lord gave uh, Demon Shakarian a, a vision about how the lay people in the church, so those not in the ministry but businessmen in the church, uh, that the Lord would use them to increase the roles of heaven, right, to advance the kingdom of heaven and the earth. And... Um, and, of course, you know, it kind of ran its course, but it, it ran for about 30 years uh, until uh, Demas passed and went on home to be with the Lord. And, and I was just thinking about that, meditating on that uh, the other day, that uh, the church uh, as a whole, you know, uh, you know, as I read the New Testament, I'm always, uh, one of the things I'm always looking for is, how, Lord, how did you want to set the church up? Because right, who established the church? The Lord established the church, right? He's the head of the church, and so he established the church. Uh, and he established local bodies like this is a local body of, of, of the church here. And as you read the scriptures, uh, I'm always trying to find out, you know, what's the relationship of the Lord that uh, uh, how he established a church. So one of the first things he did, he established a leadership in the church, right? The Bible talks about he gave gifts unto men. Uh, and in Ephesians 4.11, it lists the five ministry, we call it five ministry gifts. But the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher those are the, the five leadership roles that he placed in the church as a whole. And the one that we're most familiar with uh, is the pastor of a local church. And then the other four roles there, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, uh, they will go to different churches, right? The, uh, even if there's one in the local church, they typically will be full-time ministers who travel and go to other churches as well. And the pastor is typically uh, located at a, at a local church. Uh, and, and, of course, who set that up that way? Well, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, did, right? He established the local church with a local pastor uh, to, uh, and then he gives us the instructions about why he did that there in Ephesians, uh, which is to perfect the saints. That's the number one responsibility of the ministry is to perfect the saints or cause the saints to grow up in, in the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, but what's the, what's the relationship with the folks in the church? What's their job? Uh, are they just supposed to come and, and um, take up a seat? Uh, and be here for roll call? Uh, is that uh, their only job? No, it's not their only job, right? And so uh, here in, um, uh, in Acts chapter 6, uh, uh, we're not going to go through the whole story there because uh, that could be a whole service just unto itself, uh, but they were needing some help uh, to feed the widows in the church. By, by this time, there's maybe 30,000, 50,000 people in the, in the church of Jerusalem, and so if you've got that many people running around, you need a lot of assistance, right? Just help, just stuff to do, right? And one of the things they needed to do was to feed the widows. Uh, and so uh, they appointed seven uh, deacons at this time. This is when deacons were first established in the church. And so they said, well, we're going to go find these people, uh, find seven of these, and to pray for them. And it says in verse 5 
of Acts chapter 6. And the, say, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and Philip, uh, and, and Prochorus, and, and Nicanor, and, and Timon, and, and uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. And if I didn't get any of those names right, it's perfectly fine, right? Uh, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So they, they appointed seven deacons, right, to, to their primary responsibility was to wait the, on the tables for the widows, right, to help feed the widows. But it says as a result of doing this that the, Lord, the word of the Lord increased, in verse 7, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. So they already had thirty to 50,000 people. Now it multiplied greatly because uh, of these deacons being uh, established there in the church. And it said a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And, and the, the verse I really want to get to is verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, and that word power there is supernatural miracle work of power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Uh, and my observation in, in the church is there there's always seems to be a, a certain level of conflict. That sometimes either the ministry, you know, including the pastors, think that all the ministry should be done by them, right, that we're the only ones that can pray for folks, we're the only ones that can lay, folk, lay hands on folks and do great signs and wonders. And then sometimes you get rebellion in the camps, right? Well, well, people in the church, well, we don't need the pastors. We can just minister ourselves. We're all, we're all ministers, which we are. And we don't need the, the, we don't need the leadership in the church. Uh, and so and then oftentimes I go start, you know, I don't think the full gospel businessmen was that way. But I have seen other organizations that have risen up since that time that were almost rebellious against the ministry uh, itself. That we're the lay people. And we're going to see the uh, move of God. Uh, and they came out of nowhere, had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and they left just as quickly as they came. Uh, and I believe part of it was because they weren't there under, uh, under the, um, the ordination of the Lord. But there shouldn't be any conflict, right? Uh, the, the deal should be that the ministry, the leadership of the ministry, which includes the fivefold ministry gifts, including the pastor, and the people in the church, we should be unified in our desire to advance the kingdom of heaven. And we should understand that all of us, right, not just the pastors, not, not just the ministry gifts, but all of us, just like Stephen. Stephen was just a guy, right? He, he wasn't in the ministry. He wasn't an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He was just a guy. And the Bible said that he was full of faith and supernatural miracle work and power and the great signs and wonders uh, in the name of the Lord. Uh, and so among the people, well, that should be the balance we find where everybody in the church has the capacity to pray for the sick, to lay hands on, on those who need deliverance, uh, to lead people to the Lord. Uh, because first of all, remember Jesus said that the, that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Uh, now, Jesus was in the role of the pastor, right? Among other things, he was a great shepherd. Uh, but he also sent people out, right? He sent the 12 out. He sent the 70 out. Uh, and the 70 were the lay, the lay people, right? Uh, and because he knew that he was unable to do all the work himself. Well, the pastor's never able to do all the work himself in the, in, in the area of ministry. Amen. I can't be at every Walmart. I can't be at every Dollar General store. I can't be uh, running around everywhere uh, and doing all the work. Uh, it really should be a combined effort between the leadership of the church and the church, right? Uh, but the Lord, through his design of the church, he always designed it for everybody in the church, to have supernatural miracle work and power in your life available to you to bless those around you uh, and to pray for the sick, pray for the lost, uh, pray for those who need deliverance, and that together the kingdom of heaven is advanced. So there should never be any conflict between the leadership of the church and the church. We should be unified in knowing that, you know, I come to church 
to be trained, right, to be uh, what uh, Ephesians 4.12 says, uh, to be perfected, right, to grow up in the things of the Lord, so that when I leave the church, I, I have the information, the ability, the knowledge to go and, and pray for those outside the church to bring them into the kingdom of heaven and to bring them into the local church, right? Uh, and so there shouldn't be any conflict, uh, amen? Uh, and in general, there, there, there isn't. But oftentimes, you know, it's, it's, it, we, we tend to we'll get out of balance, right? The people in church think it's a pastor's job to do everything. Sometimes the leadership of the church thinks that we're the only ones that can do things and that you all just, you know, just sit there and really do nothing. Uh, we'll bring your check, of course, right? But other than that, do nothing. Uh, and uh, it shouldn't be that way at all. Amen. We, we gather together as a people of God to be trained in the move of God, right? To be trained in our personal lives, how to grow up in the Lord, but also be trained about uh, how to sense the Spirit of God moving, how to lay hands on the sick. Uh, and then take that outside these four walls and to advance the, the Lord's kingdom a, as a unified church. Amen. Uh, and and that we see that example here in the book of Acts, uh, throughout the book of Acts, where the leadership was always the leadership. Uh, but there were plenty of people. Uh, Philip was mentioned here uh, in this list of seven. Later on, we find out in Acts chapter 8 that Philip went down to Samaria and preached. Uh, and it says they gave heed to the things that he said because they saw the signs and wonders that he did. Uh, and so they listened to him because he was operating in miracles. Well, the Lord desires the people of the church, all of you all, to operate in miracles just as well. It, it was never intended to, for, the, for any of the move of God to be limited just to the leadership of the church. It was always intended for the, for the move of God to be uh, expressed throughout all of the church. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so we come to, to church to learn how to do that. That's the primary purpose of coming to church to be trained. Amen. Uh, so that we can go out and advance his kingdom. So I was just thinking about that, and um, I'm not against, obviously, uh, full gospel businessmen. They, they had a great impact on the earth, uh, and I'm not against uh, other organizations either. I'm not against anybody. Uh, but I'm always looking to see, Lord, if we follow your plan, then we should have the greatest success, amen? And if we follow his plan, then the church should, <coughs> should advance the roles of heaven. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Mercy, Father. Father, meditating on your goodness causes songs to rise up in our hearts. To declare your goodness, Father. To sing of your wonderful kindness. To thank you, Father, for your generosity. Father, we thank you. You are the great and good God. You are kind towards your people, Father. Loving towards, Father, your people. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Father, for your kindness. And Father, we will sing of your goodness all the days of our life. We thank you, Father, because you are the great and good God. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you as we prepare to open up your word and study what you have spoken to us. Father, I'm reminded of our friend Jerry uh, who has pneumonia, Father, in his lung. And Father, there is no time and distance in the realm of the Spirit. So Father, I speak life to that lung in Jesus' name. And I curse that 
pneumonia to leave that body in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that lungs will breathe fully, Father, according to your design. We speak life and health in his body in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for complete and total recovery. I thank you, Father, that he is the healed of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness. And Father, for all of these things, we thank you and give you praise and honor for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. Um, we have been teaching on the, uh, the compassion of the Lord, and we'll get into that in just a second. I wanted to read a scripture here in relation to that first. In um, Romans chapter 5, uh, this is in, in verse 5, it says, In hope, make it not ashamed, because the love of God, now this word love there is the, the Greek word agape, right? So it's helpful to, when you're especially reading the English New Testament, to know some key words to find out what's the actual word, because the word love, the English word love, uh, in the New Testament comes from several different Greek words, uh, one of them is like brotherly love, and that's the kind of love that you have with a friend, right? Someone that you care about. But the love of God, the agape love of God, the Bible says that God is love. So that's just who God is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And so it's the greatest kind of love, amen? The agape love of God is the greatest kind of love. And he says the, that love of God, that agape love, is shed abroad in our hearts, in my heart, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So... This is a good verse to meditate on because uh, <clears throat> if it's true, and of course it's one thing, uh, oftentimes when I'm reading the scriptures, I'll ask the Lord, is this true? We know the answer that it's true, right? But it's good for you to ask, Lord, is this so? Is this so that the love of God, the agape love of God is in my heart right now? And who put it there? It says by the Holy Ghost, right? It's, uh, it's shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. So when did he do that? Well, when you got saved, right? When you got saved and accepted the Lord Jesus, he came and recreated your spirit. He put his spirit within you, but he also put in the love of God in you, uh, in your heart. Now, <clears throat> uh, is that a true statement? Yeah. It is a true statement, amen? So uh, the question for us that we have to ask on a regular basis is how powerful is that love? How capable is that love? That agape love in you, how capable is it? Well, there's no limit, right? Uh, did, uh, could you ever say, well, I, can't, I just can't love him enough? Is that a biblically true statement? Well, not a biblically true statement. It may be a true statement that you don't want to, right? That you don't want to love them. Uh, and, and if we'd be honest with ourselves, we'd, we'd get a lot further along in our faith. Because uh, when we say, I, I can't love them anymore, well, that's not a true statement, you know. Uh, it, what your emotions are saying is, I don't want to love them anymore. Well, that's a true statement, right? And I've met a lot of people on that list, right? You Lord, I just, it ain't, there's nothing in me that wants to do it. Uh, and so, but then I go back, but, but Lord, your love lives inside of me. Everywhere you go, the love of God lives on the inside of you, right? The agape love of God. Uh, well, well, how many people in the earth has the Lord loved? What does, what's the famous John 3.16 say, right? For God so loved who? The whole world. Anybody left out of that? I mean, there's people on our list that we would like for the Lord to leave off that list, but the Lord didn't leave anybody off the list, right? Uh, for God loved the whole world except for that guy over there because he's a real dog, right? And so uh, we've all, anybody got a list? 
I was going to say we all have a list, but I don't have a list anymore, but uh, we have probably all had lists at some time in our life of who we choose not to love anymore, amen? Uh, and so I just wanted to start out with that verse because it's really the foundation for, for so much of the Word of God in our life. Uh, because if this verse is true, then we have to change what we say oftentimes, amen? I just, I just can't take it anymore. Well, I mean, you're not required to take it, right? Whatever it is, right? Uh, you don't have to be abused and to be mistreated. You can just walk out on those things, no doubt, right? Uh, and, uh, but uh, you ever had to put up with somebody who, who was unlovable? And you say, I, you know, I just can't put up with them anymore. Is that really a true statement? Biblically, it's not a true statement. It may be a true statement by your emotions, but you don't want to. Uh, but it's not a biblically true statement that you can't. Amen? And so what we want to make sure that we do in our words is that our words line up with the Word of God. So if we, we, we can't say things that are not scripturally true. I, I just can't love them anymore. That's not a scripturally true statement. It may be true that you don't want to do that anymore. Amen? Uh, and, and so... So let's turn over to, to uh, Matthew chapter 18 there because we've been talking about the compassion of the Lord and the thing that we want to get across is, is what has this compassion of the Lord when Jesus yielded to it, what things happened, right? When you choose to yield to it, and, and that's the issue, right? It, it's not so much that you don't have the compassion of the Lord. The question is, are you willing to yield to it? And the compassion of the Lord, remember last week we talked about how Right after John the Baptist got beheaded, Jesus went up to the mountains to pray. And thousands of people said, well, well, uh, I know that he just lost his cousin, but I need my needs met. And thousands of people found Jesus. And what did he do? It says he was moved with compassion and he healed all their sick. And then he fed the, the, the 4,000 there in that case. And then he walked on water. And then he stilled the storm. All of that, all those miracles came about because Jesus chose to yield to the compassion of the Lord that's already in him. Well, that compassion is in you right now but, you know, what would your response have been right after you lost your cousin, a dear, a dear friend in the ministry, and, and a family member, uh, and a bunch of people wanted you to help them? What would your response have been? Leave me alone. I, got, you know, I need to pray. Uh, of course, none of you all do that because you all are perfect people. But we know people that would have not responded correctly, right? And we've probably talked about people like that, right? And so, uh, so the question, would you have... Uh, yielded to your emotions or would you have yielded to it and been moved with compassion? See, that's the question for us. The compassion's there, but you have to choose to yield to it. You have to choose to, to, uh, to recognize that the compassion is rising up and to yield to that. <clears throat> and, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, in fact, uh, we mentioned uh, Kenneth E. Hagen earlier, one of the things that he said that I always thought was helpful, he said, you know, if you go to a word church and get taught the word of God on a regular basis, he said, most of the time, the issue is not so much that you need more word taught in your life. You're getting a good diet of the word of God. You're being taught the word of God. He said, oftentimes, the issue is that the child of God is not yielded to the spirit of God like they could be. Uh, so the spirit of God wants to yield, wants you, wants you to do something on behalf of somebody else to be moved with compassion or to, to show kindness to somebody. And, and, and your response should be to yield to that unction from the spirit of God, to show that compassion, to show that uh, to show that um, uh, kindness towards somebody. Uh, and, but we don't. We're busy. You know, the game's coming on. You know, I got to get to do something. Uh, things happen, right? Life happens. Sometimes you just don't want to, right? You look at them and go, well, I ain't helping them. Uh, and, I mean, you know, that's the reality of life. Amen. Uh, so what do you do? Do you choose to yield or you choose not to yield? 
The Spirit of God is there, but it's your choice to yield to it or not. Amen? You can do it or you cannot do it, uh, and, and that's always, we always have a free will. Amen? God's not going to make you do anything, uh, but he will give you the unction to do something. The, 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 the compassion will rise up in your heart to do something, and, and then our responsibility is, well, Lord, if that's what you want to do, then that's what I'll do. And you, and you may look at them and go, that, that person is unlovable. That person can't be uh, loved. That person doesn't deserve the kindness of the Lord. Uh, and, of course, if that's our measurement, then you need to get in line behind them because none of us are worthy of the, of the blessings of the Lord, are we? Have you earned anything of heaven? Uh, no. And so, so this parable here, this is in Matthew 18. This, this, to me, this is one, one of the best parables. You know, of course, we, we've taught this many times over the years, but in connection with the compassion of the Lord, I think it's helpful uh, to go over it again. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So uh, if you got everything there ever was to know about the word of God in, in your first reading, then I'm super impressed. Uh, amen. And so, uh, which of course you didn't, but, uh, uh, but uh, it's helpful to go back and look at some things, especially from a different angles and in a different context. And that's what we're looking at today. And so it says in verse 21, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Uh, of course, he doesn't, he, he doesn't just leave it open-ended because, you know, we don't want Jesus to say some ridiculous number, right? And so he said, seven times, is seven times the number, right? Uh, and um, uh, how many of us are like that right there, right? How far do I have to be a Christian, Lord, and then I can stop being a Christian? Because, I mean, you know, I want to know the limit. Because when I can find a limit where I can stop being a Christian, then I can say, well, Lord, you put that limit on there. So now I can, you know, I was a Christian yesterday, but today I cannot be a Christian uh, and because I've, I've reached a limit. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I can't tell you how many times I heard my mom say, I've had it up to here, right? And I don't really know how we got to here because I never, she never said, you know, I'm doing good. It's only right here. I never knew that, right? It was only nothing or I've had it up to here. <clears throat> and, uh, and when she had it up to here, then you ducked. Right? Because you ran. Uh, because if it's a here, you're fine. But if she's out to here, then, you know, you're in big trouble. Uh, and, well, that's what Peter's asking. Lord, uh, where is here? Is it seven times? What's the number? Uh, uh, well, don't we do the same thing? How many times? Well, they've done it again. Uh, you know, I just can't forgive. They, they keep doing it. And, of course, we've talked about that before, right? We said, how many times should, should there be in your heart against somebody or somebody having conflict with you? One time, right? You deal with it, and it should be back at zero. But a lot of times, people count. I can't tell you how many times they've done it. You know, this time and that time, and that, they remember everything uh, that anybody's ever done to them. Uh, and people like that, uh, they are a boat anchor in their spiritual life. They will never move past that situation right there. Uh, and and it's, it, to me, it breaks my heart for them because uh, they have the love of God set abroad in their hearts, just like I do. They don't have to remember all those things, but they do. Amen? Uh, and, and that person will never succeed in this life. They will never uh, succeed spiritually in this life. Uh, and so, because they're, one, they're looking for a number. And, of course, Jesus said, I say not, uh, say not unto thee until seven times, but, unto, but until 70 times seven. Well, how many times is 70 times seven? Uh, 490 times, right? Is that the limit? <clears throat> Can we start counting? One, two. No, he didn't mean for that to be a limit. It's not a law, right? He's not t t uh, creating New Testament law here. But uh, it, it would be unusual for somebody to sin against you 490 times in your life, right? I mean, it's, uh, it, it would be unusual, right? I mean, if somebody does it it's once or twice a year, maybe. 
Uh, if it's once a year, then that's 490 years, right? If it's twice a year, there's still 70 years, right? Or, or no, it's 245, right? 245 years <clears throat> to do the math there. And, and so anybody sinned against you for 245 years? No, nobody's done that, right? Uh, and yet uh, we still, okay, that's the number. Uh, and, and so if there's a number, then we should start counting. No, you don't, that's, not the, that's not the deal, right? Uh, and so in order to clarify that, then he gives us the parable. And so he, he explains it from a story. And a parable is a story. It's a, it's a made-up story that he gives us to, to instruct us. <clears throat> and it's in, in this parable, it's important to understand who all the players are in, in this parable, right? Who, who is this parable pointing to and saying, well, well, this person is really this person in real, in real life. And he says, therefore, in verse 23, is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. Well, who's going to take account of his servants? Well, the Lord God is, right? Are we the servants of the Lord? Uh, we are. And so he's going to, is he going to take account of us? He will at some point in time. And so it starts out, the kingdom of heaven. So who's the king of the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus is, right? Or really, or really the Father God in this context here. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, he, he starts out, so make sure we understand who this is, right? Because it's important as we go through the parable to understand who this is, not just a regular guy that some bad things were done to him and he's kind of like us. No, this is the, the Father in heaven. And he said, and when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, if you go through, I've got it in my notes there. Uh, uh, this, this Bible was, was printed in like the 90s or something. Uh, and so I did a current, uh, current calculation on this. This is about $9 billion. I, I, who owes $9 billion, right? I mean, what kind of a mortgage payment would that be, right? Well, first of all, what's the interest rate, right, uh, on that $9 billion? <clears throat> That's a lot, right? Uh, could you even ever pay it off? You know, if you get, if you get a big enough loan uh, or a big enough interest rate, you can do the math and it'll never get paid off, right? Uh, and so... He owed him, him 10,000 talents. Uh, and so how do you get in that much debt? Well, again, who, who is the king? It's the father, right? The, so so uh, who is this servant? Well, the servant is us. We are the servant of the father God, right? And so what, what he's saying is that we as people are in great debt to the Lord. Uh, and and what, what infractions have we committed against the Lord? Well, every sin that we commit is an infraction against the Lord. It doesn't matter if I do it to somebody else. Uh, it's still an infraction against the law of God. Uh, and so all of humanity is in greater debt that they can ever pay off. That's the, that's the premise of the parable here, right? That no matter, what, no matter what human being, doesn't matter how good they are, that because their goodness is measured against the perfect God, that they're in great debt to the Lord, a debt that they can never pay. And yet people try, well, I'm going to pay it off. If I just, pay, I'm going to do the math, if I pay off $100, you know, $100 a, a month, uh, divided into nine billion dollars, that's you know a gazillion months. And so, Lord, I, I need to live as long as Methuselah, you know, you know, to get this paid off. Amen. Well, well, does that mean you're ever going to get it paid off? You're not going to get paid. What if you try? What if you double up two hundred dollars a month? Right? What if it's a thousand dollars a month? A thousand into nine billion is nine million. That's nine million months. Right? Uh, anybody live nine million months? I don't know how many years that is, but it's a lot of years. Right? Uh, you ever going to get it paid off? Never going to get it paid off. Amen? What if you try really hard? doesn't matter. You're, you're in so much debt, you're never going to get it paid off. Amen? And if we would appreciate that as Christians, 
that the debt that we owe the Father because of our sin is so great, there's no way we can get it paid off. We need, we need an intervention in order to get paid off. Uh, and so, what, what, what did the Lord do here? Uh, in verse 25, for as much as he had not to pay, uh, see, <clears throat> that's what the scripture, if we can understand that, doesn't matter what you've got, it's not enough to pay, right? He has not, he, he had, a, uh, as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his children, his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Well, now that, that's not enough, right? If you sell everything, you reckon he's going to have uh, uh, $9 billion of stuff? I mean, if I sold everything I owned, it's not going to be a billion dollars, right? Mm. Uh, and, and so, what if I sell the kids, right? The wife. Notice he didn't sell the man. He sold the wife and children, right? Not, not the man. Uh, and so, uh, and so uh, he commanded, actually, no, he did sell him, right? Commanded him to be sold. So, they sold everybody. Uh, is it enough? Wasn't enough, amen? But the, the, that's all you got. You liquidate, kind of like, you know, you play a Monopoly and you land a boardwalk and you owe $10,000 on boardwalk, and you only got $68, you just sell everything, and you give it to the person, you go, oh, it's still not paid off, but then you're out of the game, amen? And so that's, that's kind of the deal there. Uh, and so, uh, now, at this point in time, the Lord has passed judgment, right? And, and this is a good thing to understand about the Lord. Oftentimes, he'll pass judgment, and if nothing else happens, that judgment will stay, Right? Uh, that judgment that this man is going to be sold, and everything he had is sold, his wife and kids are sold, he was sold. Now, they, they were going to be sold. Who, who buys them? People that puts them into slavery, right? So now he's sold into slavery, uh, and his wife and his children, they're all sold into slavery, and that's the judgment. <clears throat> now, what's the judgment for the world? If they, if they uh, try to make payment and can't make payment, then they're responsible for their sin. Well, can you ever pay for, for the, the value of your sin? No, you're never going to pay. So you're gonna, you know, that's why people go to hell. Not because the Lord's sending them there, but because uh, they try to make payment by their good works, you know. Well, Lord, you know, I mowed my neighbor's yard yesterday. That should get me for all eternity, right? And the Lord's like, well, let's balance out. You did this one good thing, and here's all the things you've done against me, right? Uh, so one infraction against a holy and perfect God is a big deal. We don't really see it that way. We don't understand it. We don't can't comprehend how the things we do is such a huge infraction against the Lord. But the Lord's trying to get the point across here that the things we do, we don't think they're that big of a deal. But if we could really see our debt that we owe the Lord, because all sin has to be dealt with. That's the thing that humanity doesn't realize. All sin has to be dealt with. The Lord won't overlook any sin. It has to be dealt with. Now, he chose to deal with it on his own by the blessing of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but we don't really appreciate it, I don't think, the way we should. If we understand how big of a debt this man owed the Lord, we would begin to appreciate how our sins are such an infraction against a holy and perfect and just God. Uh, and so, so the judgment was there. So what did the man do? Did he accept the judgment? Did he just go, oh, I guess that's my lot life to bear? No, you've got to give the man some credit here, right? Because what, what did he do? He says, the servant fell down, verse 26, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Now, this is a, a common, uh, dumb prayer that men will make to the Lord. Lord, I'll, I promise to be good and never fail again the rest of my life. I was like, yeah, right. Right. Can I get that in writing? Never going to happen, right? I will pay thee all. And we've all done that, right? Lord, if you get me out of this jam, I promise to go to church every Sunday. Oh, well, unless I'm tired, right? Unless the game's on. Unless, you know, uh, I can't find my shoes or... 
unless anything else happens in the, Lord, in the world, Lord, you know. But we, make, don't we all make those deals? We've all made those deals, Lord. If you get me out of this jam, Lord, I promise to serve you all the days of my life, mostly, unless, you know, anything else happens. Uh, and so, I will pay thee all. Have patience with me. Well, how much patience would the Lord have to have for this man to come up with $9 billion? be a lot of patience right there, right? Uh, and so, have we all made this same, same uh, cry to the Lord? What did the Lord do? He completely ignored his statement, right? He didn't say, can I get that in writing? He's like, no way. No way you're ever going to pay it off, right? Uh, and yet, we, have we all tried to earn our way back to heaven? Have we ever tried to say, Lord, I'll be good. I promise to be, I promise to be good to my neighbor, you know, until uh, I don't have to be. Uh, we've all probably made that deal. It says in uh, verse 27, and then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. See, uh, he wasn't moved by his emotions. He wasn't moved by the intellectual conflict between uh, this man that he, oh, well, you owe, you owe a lot of money, right? Uh, he wasn't uh, moved by those things. He wasn't moved by the anger of this man lying and not uh, coming up with the money that he owed the Lord. I mean, it, it, uh, as far as we know, it was a just debt that he owed the Lord, right? Uh, it wasn't out of some kind of uh, crooked dealings that the Lord had with this man. <clears throat> and all of our sins is a debt to the Lord, debt to justice. Uh, and, and we owe the value of that justice back to the Lord. And yet it says that the Lord was moved with compassion and loosed him or released him and forgave him the debt. Now notice the man didn't even ask for that. See, compassion, will call, compassion in your heart will go above and beyond what, what somebody's even asking of you. Uh, and that's the great thing of compassion. Amen? You know, well, I'm just going to barely give them what they want. If the Lord said, okay, fine, start today, he would, never, he would have never got out of debt. Amen? He would have still kept him in, as a prisoner, a slave, basically to his debt all the, all the days of his life. The Lord went way above and beyond and just wiped the debt clean. Right? Just forgave him the debt. Well, so now, now, again, that is a type and shadow of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Has he forgiven you your debt? What, what payment did he make for your debt? He went to the cross, right? Shed blood. The Bible said that, that his blood is, is the payment for your sin. And so he chose to do that. He chose his activist will to just do that for, for who? Who, who can, can draw on that bank account and get their debts wiped clean? Everybody in the world, right? Nobody, nobody is exempt from that. Uh, and the Lord has presented that to the entire world, and a few of the world people called Christians have chosen to accept that payment for their debt, and then you've still got other people trying to earn their way to heaven. Amen? You're always going to get people like that. Now, and you've got people who don't believe that they owe anything. It doesn't matter if they believe that they owe anything or not. They still owe it. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, but fortunately, uh, there are plenty of us who have chosen to understand that, and uh, no, the Lord has paid a great debt, I wiped my debt clean, but I still have to choose to accept that payment. That's the deal with, with the church, amen? Is the Lord going to go back to the cross ever again? No. Is he going to shed any more blood? No. So payment has been made for every sin that's ever been ever committed, ever, against people, against the Lord, uh, against each other. Uh, but we have to choose to accept that payment. If we don't, we're still, we're still guilty for our uh, debt, amen? We're still responsible for our debt. Uh, and that's why people out there, you know, you think about it. Everybody out there that's not a Christian, every one of their sins have already been paid for. And yet, if they died right today, they would miss heaven because they didn't accept the payment the Lord made for them. And, and that's the basic premise of Christianity, is, is all your debts are paid for, but you have to accept the payment for your debt. And so the Lord went above and beyond. He went above what this man, because men, we, we have such small minds, right? 
We think so small. And the Lord always thinks big. Let's not make a payment. Let's just, let's just wipe it all out. How's that? We're not going to make a payment plan. Just wipe it all out. Right now. Zero. You have a zero balance. And, and, and so, see, if we could do that, you know, there's another scripture that Jesus talks about that uh, to whom the Lord uh, has forgiven much, they love the Lord the most, Right? And, and I remember thinking about that scripture one time uh, about uh, how people will twist that and say to, who, to, to those who have sinned the most uh, that God will, uh, that they love the Lord the most because they've sinned the most. Well, that, that's not the deal. It's not whoever sins the most loves the Lord the most. It's whoever the Lord has forgiven the most. And that the point of the, the scripture there is if you understand how big of an infraction that your sin is against a perfect and holy God, you will realize how big his forgiveness is towards you. Uh, and if you understand, because e- even if you were just kind of a goody two-shoes, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I've been uh, uh, accused of that. I said, well, you know, uh, how much have you smoked in your life? Well, none, you know. Uh, how, you know, how much, you know, how many crimes have you committed? Well, I, I did steal some gum when I was in sixth grade, you know, at a, at a grocery store. Uh, and that was my crime spree there, Right. Uh, well, you know, what about uh, other things, you know? Well, you know, I, I did cuss until I was like 12, you know, uh, for a few months. And I gave that up as a lost cause. And, uh, and, and well, you know, did you sleep around? No. Did you, did you do drugs? No. no. Well, you know, you're not much of a sinner. Well, I'm sorry I'm a failure as a sinner. But, you know, but I understand that even though uh, <clears throat> I didn't sin as much as you, I know how much my forgiveness cost. And so that makes me love the Lord. Just as much as, just because you've sinned more than I did, I can still love the Lord just as much as you have because I know how, how valuable uh, his love and forgiveness is towards me. Amen? My goodness was never sufficient to earn his forgiveness uh, or my lack of, of deep, dark sins like you've committed. Amen? Uh, and so don't try to impress me with your uh, sins prior to you being born again. Amen? It doesn't impress me or the Lord. Amen? And so if you understand, see, if you understand how big the smallest infraction is against the Lord. It, it's, it's beyond measure. Amen? Nine billion dollars. That's beyond, that's beyond measure. Amen? Uh, and so, the, but the Lord was moved with compassion. Not by his emotions, but because he, he yielded to the love of God in him, he chose to forgive that person. Uh, and and uh, does that love of God live on the inside of you? It does, right now. Amen? Could you be moved with that same compassion? or somebody who's done something against you? Well, you can be if you want to be, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, is it a valid statement that uh, when people have done something to you, well, I'm working on it. No, you ain't working on it. You, you're just waiting till your emotions die down long enough that you forget about it. But you've not actually done anything about it. You've not forgiven them, amen? Uh, you've, not been, you've not allowed the compassion of the Lord, you've not yielded to that compassion that lives in you to forgive that person. You're just kind of hoping it goes away, that you quit thinking about them. And, and that's not a valid, that's really not a great way to operate, amen? The best way to operate is to yield to that compassion. And so the servant went out, glad that he was forgiven, and told everybody how wonderful the Lord is, and showed everybody the same kindness that he was shown. Is that what it says? No, he's a terrible person, right? He went out, found one of his servants, which owed him a hundred pence. All right, now a hundred pence, let's see what my note says here, a hundred pence uh, well, it's basically a million to one. It's a million. What this, what this second servant owed the first servant uh, is just uh, 1% or one uh, amount of one 
and what the servant owed the king was a million, million to one. That's the ratio of what the first servant owed versus the second servant. So, a million, so, so what's that? Well, a, a, a million off of, uh, off of uh, nine billion is about $1,000, right? Or, or nine, $9,000. Uh, and so, well, you know, $9,000, I mean, you could probably pay that off, right? You got cars worth $9,000, right? Some people got dogs worth $9,000, you know, they could pay that off. Uh, and so my, my dog was like a $39 dog from the pound. Uh, and so, uh, um, so, so the debt that the second servant owed to the man, so now, now what's this part of the parable? Well, now this is talking about uh, between each of us, right? What I owe you. And so if I, if I sin against you, well, that's still a debt, right? Uh, but how big of a debt is that compared to the sin I've committed against the Lord? It's, a, it's nothing, right? It, it's a million to one. And that's what the Lord wants to get across here is what we do to each other is, is a debt, right? I mean, we shouldn't do things to harm each other. We shouldn't cause each other grief and difficulty in, in our lives. But uh, are you perfect? No. So if you're not perfect and I sin against you, well, that's an imperfect person committing a sin against another imperfect person. So basically, it's a race to the bottom. Amen? And so, but you're not perfect and holy and just like the Lord is. So it's not that you deserve it, right? If I sin against you, well, you deserve it because you've sinned other times. It's not, that's not the point. The point is uh, sinning uh, uh, from one imperfect person against another imperfect person is a big deal, but it's not as big of a deal as sinning against a perfect and just and holy God. And that's part of the parable. That's what we want to understand is, is we think that when somebody does something against me, it's a huge deal, impossible to overcome, so big I can't imagine it. And the Lord's like, it's really not that big of a deal. Compared to me, it's not. Now, he's not trying to say that it's not, not a bad thing. He's just saying that, that uh, we need to keep things in perspective, that, uh, that the sins we committed against each other, as grievous as we think they are, is still not what we have already done to the Lord God in heaven. Uh, and that's the parable. Now, you have to appreciate that and believe that and understand that because it, it will help you to overcome when somebody does something against you. Because in our minds, it's so big, so enormous, so, so, so all-encompassing, we can never overcome it. And the Lord's like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Which means that you can overcome it. Amen? We say that we can't, but the Lord says, you know, compared to what I've already done for you, it's not nearly as big of a deal. Now, you think it is, but it's not. And so... Are we saying that, that these things are unimportant? That they, uh, No, we're not saying that these things uh, shouldn't be dealt with and that uh, we just kind of slough them off. And a lot of people, the way they, they, a lot of people, the way they manage and deal with situations is they excuse other people's actions. Well, they didn't mean it. Well, you know, they were tired. Or, well, you know, they were desperate. Or, you know, whatever excuse. No, you don't have to make an excuse for anybody. A lot of times they'll say, well, they just did it because they're just, they're, you know, they're just a mean person. You know, sometimes people just mean Sometimes they're just sorry, right? Sometimes they just, uh, they're just terrible people. They, t- they totally meant to do it. It wasn't like they didn't mean to do it. They totally meant to do it. You don't have to excuse their actions. But you have to understand that even though they did that to me and it was a terrible thing, what I've already done to the Lord is much worse against the perfect and holy God. That's, that's, the, that's the relationship we need to have with that. Amen? So he went out found one of his fellow servants, owed him 100 pence, laid his hands on him, took him by the throat. Now, the king didn't take him by the throat, but he took his fellow servant by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. Now, uh, what did the first servant say to the king? The exact same thing. Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. 
Now, in the second case, he could have actually done it, right? $9,000, that's not an unreasonable amount of money, right? For some people, it might as, well be a, might as well be a billion dollars. I remember growing up in the early 70s, and um, my dad would buy uh, all the kids a car when they turned like 16 years old. And I remember uh, one of the cars, it was like $3,000. And I remember thinking as a kid, it might as well have been a billion dollars. I think $3,000, I will never have that kind of money. Because, uh, you know, we grew up poor. We didn't grow up with anything. And, and so my, my dad bought, you know, brother number one, sister number one, sister number two, brother number two. Uh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong there, but another brother, an, another brother, uh, and another brother, and then a sister. So I'm the youngest of 11, right? <clears throat> and so he got, he, there was, uh, he got to, to the last sister there. And so between her and me, there was one more sister and two more brothers and then me. So there was four, four left, right? He'd, he'd bought cars for seven of them, and uh, there was four of us left. And at the, la the last car, he said, I'm never buying another car again because, you know, she wrecked a car or something like that. And I'm thinking, as a kid, you know, I hadn't done nothing. I didn't do that. Why, why you, cut, well, you cut me off. I hadn't done anything. You cut me off. <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking for justice, but it's too late, right? And so, uh, and, and of course, he, he, he passed not long after that anyway, so... Uh, but when I get to heaven, uh, you owe me a car uh, because uh, I hadn't done anything. You know, I hadn't wrecked any cars by that point in time. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, the, the second servant, he could have paid it. You know, what we do to each other, you know, we can make amends for that. We can work it out. Can we work it out? We ought to be able to work it out. Sometimes people, I, I'll, never, I'll never forgive them. You know, I would never say anything like that. I mean, just never. I mean, just, but Christians say, I'll never forgive them. You know, it doesn't, you know, forgiveness, we're going to, we'll talk about forgiveness here in a minute, but it gets more insight about it. But forgiveness does not mean that you have to allow them to be part of your life again. Amen? Doesn't mean you have to trust them again. Doesn't mean you have to give them their job back or, you know, stay married to them or whatever it is. Uh, that, that's not, you know, because their character is still their character. Amen? If they're a, a terrible liar, cheat before, they can still be a terrible liar, cheat afterwards after you forgive them. So it doesn't mean you have, to, you have to restore them and everything they are back in your life, amen? If they always lie to you, well, you can forgive them for lying. You just don't have to ever believe anything they ever say. You're not required to, to treat them like they're a perfect person, amen? That, that, that's not what forgiveness is. Uh, forgiveness is it's parting them, amen? I mean, if, if, if you know somebody was a, a liar, cheating, and a thief, uh, but they've never done anything to you, would you go enter into a business deal with them? No, there's people I know right now, it's like, there's no way I would trust them with my milk money because they would steal that nickel immediately, right? Here's a nickel. You know, anybody remember milk was a nickel at, at, at school, right? It used to be a nickel for a carton of milk. There's no way. You don't have to take your nickel and buy your carton of milk. There's no way I would trust some people that I know right now with my milk money. <clears throat> I'm not, there's no, they've never done anything to me, but I know them to be, not be a, a person of character. And so I wouldn't trust them at all. It's, you know, because trust is earned, right? Trust is, is, is uh, if I look at your life and I review your life and see that you're a person of character, that you do what you say you're going to do, then, then, then I can grant you a little bit of trust. And if you, and if you pass that amount of trust, then I can grant you more trust, right? I was done something the other day. I had a, had a guy, I need some woodcut. And he said, I'll be there Thursday. All right, Thursday comes. He doesn't even show up. I call, nothing. I text, nothing. He, like, he disappeared. Maybe he got raptured. I don't know. <laughs> but if he called me today and said, hey, I'd like to come do that wood. No. You got, I can't trust you, right? 
I, I can't trust it. You know, if, you, if your word's no good, then, then, then uh, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you. Amen. Well, you can forgive him. I can forgive him because I mean, it's not really a big infraction to me. I just get back online and say, hey, who else, right? It's not like I, I'm an unforgiveness towards this fellow at all. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, he's never going to cut wood from me ever, right? And if the Lord says, you give, him a, you give him another shot, that's fine, right? I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so the second servant, did a, he owed a debt to the man that, that, that he sinned against. And so, uh, but the, the first man uh, took him by the throat. And after he said, I will pay the all, he, in verse 30, and he would not. See, the, the, the first servant was not moved with compassion. He should have been moved with compassion because he was forgiven a much greater debt than this fellow owed him. He, what he should have said, well, you know, Lord, you forgive me of this debt. You know, I, I, I can forgive this guy this small, tiny debt. I can do that because you forgive me of so much. You see, if we would get that in our minds, Lord, you forgive me so much. It's such a small thing for me to forgive that person over there. That, that's, the, that's part of what the Lord's trying to get the point across here, right? Because Peter's like, oh, I, I want a number. The Lord's like, no, you're missing the whole point. The, the deal is, what I've already forgiven you is so much greater than you'll ever have to forgive anybody in your lifetime. It should be an easy thing for you to give, forgive somebody. Amen? And that, that's the point that the Lord's trying to get across there. And so, uh, what, what did he say? Uh, he said... Uh, uh, he would not, in verse 30, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt, which seems a little bit catch-22, right? I'm going to put you in prison until you work off your debt. Well, how's he going to work off his debt if he's in prison, right? I mean, uh, you know, sin makes you stupid. Uh, you know, you're going, I'm, going to, I'm not going to forgive you until you straighten up. Well, I mean, how's that going to work out for you, right? Uh, and so I'm going to cast you into prison. Uh, and, and don't we do that to each other? Don't we put each other in prison sometimes? And I refuse to ever forgive you. Because, you know, some people, they, just, they make a mistake. And again, how you deal with that person after you forgive them is between you and the Lord, right? There's no law. You don't have to allow them back into your life, right? I mean, I've, I've said many times, like, especially like in marriage situations, the husband physically abuses his wife. I'd walk out the door. If I was that wife, I'd walk out the door and never go back. Uh, and... And if he comes back and says, you know, I've changed, I'm a, I'm a new man, that's great. See you in heaven. I mean, that would be my counsel, right? You do whatever you want to, but my counsel would be like, see you in heaven, right? You don't ever go back with him. Because if a grown man doesn't know not to hit a woman, uh, then, then he missed all of kindergarten, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> again, you know, that, that's not a law, but that would be my counsel, uh, unless there were some other uh, mitigating circumstances. Uh, and so he put him in prison. So don't we put each other in prison? You owe me. I'm going to hold this against you till forever, right? I had a brother one time that uh, he helped me out right after uh, graduating college, and um, I wanted to buy a car because that's what you do when you get out of college. You, first thing you do, you spend all your money and buy a brand new car, right? Uh, and uh, I think I'm thankful that my son learned from my mistakes uh, back then. But I bought a brand new car, and. Um, uh, and so, but I had no credit, so my brother signed for me, co-signed for me. But, you know, co-signing for somebody who's responsible, not a big deal. Don't ask me to co-sign for you, okay? Because you'd be like, uh, let me check your account. No, the answer is just no, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and unless the Lord tells me, I would never do that because it's not a wise thing to do. But my brother did. Well, like 25 years later, he, he called me up and said, hey, can I borrow a bunch of money? Well, why? I just want to know if you'll let, let me the money. Well, no, because he didn't need the money. He had plenty of money. He just was just messing with me. 
He said, well, you know, I, I co-signed for you. And I said, that happened a thousand years ago, right? You still holding it over me? I said, I don't owe you for anything for that. And look, if I do for you, you don't owe me anything for me doing that for you. If you do, you know, if you do something for me, I'm not in your debt. I don't, you know, if you want to be a blessing to me, that's great. Praise God. I'm thankful for it. I'll receive it with, with thanksgiving. But I owe you nothing. And if I do something for you and I'm a blessing to you, you owe me nothing. See, we don't like to do that. We like to get into, into legalism. Well, if you don't for me, I got to do for you. That, that's a bunch of legalism and, and carnality. Amen. Just be a blessing to somebody with no strings attached. Amen. Because <laughs> the, the Lord's done for us. He, he, he's already paid for all the sins of the world. No strings attached. Amen. <clears throat> and so uh, he, he cast him into prison, which made no sense, of course. Uh, but that's what he did till he should pay the debt. And, of course, his, uh, the fellow servants saw what was done. They were very sorry, came and told unto their Lord all that was done. His Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou uh, desired me. Uh, and really, uh, he desired that, that he gives him an opportunity to get out of the debt, but the Lord went above and beyond what he even asked for, didn't he? Shouldest thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And that word compassion, pity, are actually the same word there. Uh, <clears throat> shouldn't, shouldn't you have looked at my example and lived by that same example to your fellow brothers and sisters? And, and that's, that's the whole point of this parable is, Lord, you've forgiven me so much. The, the smallest infraction against the per perfect and holy God is such a big deal compared to what I've done to each other, uh, what we've done to each other, then it should be easy for me to forgive somebody. That's the whole point of the parable. That's what the Lord is trying to get a point is if you could if just meditate on how big that your smallest thing you've done to the Lord, the perfect and holy and just God is compared to what we've done to each other uh, it is, is so, so different in size and scale that it should be easy for us to forgive each other. That's the, that's the primary intent of this, of this parable, right? Not counting, not 490 times, not seven times. It's, Lord, you forgive me so much it's the easiest thing in the world. Easiest thing in the world forgive, for me to forgive my brother or sister. Not a hard thing, right? Not, I'm trying. Well, five years later, I'm still trying. Five seconds. That's all it takes, five seconds. Amen? To do it. Not a hard. Because do you, do you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart? Then you can be moved with that same compassion that the king was moved with against this entirely huge debt, insurmountable debt. You can be moved with that same compassion that's in you right now. Uh, and live a life that, that's free uh, from uh, unforgiveness. Uh, and the Lord was wroth and delivered unto the tormentors so they should pay all that was due him. Uh, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you also if you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. So again from the heart. The heart, remember what we read Romans 5, 5 that the love of God is shed abroad where? In your what? In your heart, right? So it's from your spirit man, from the depths of your being, not from your mind, not from your... You know, you don't have to make any uh, psychological games. Well, you know, it really wasn't that bad of a deal. You know, it wasn't really that bad, bad of a sin. You don't have to play any psychological games. You can look at this thing. and That yeah, was a, the worst thing you could ever do to a human being. I choose to forgive you. You don't have to play these mental games and try to diminish what they've done. Just know that the love of God in you is still greater than that, that sin that they've committed against you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's the point, right? We don't play psychological games in the church. We are moved with compassion in the church. We are moved with the same love of God that God is moved with in the church. Amen? Amen. And, of course, uh, we know this, but, but just real quick, what does the word forgive mean? 
you've been around here long enough, what does the word forgive mean? It means to pardon. Right? And if you can understand that, because you ever ask, what does it actually mean to forgive? Think about that. What does it actually mean to forgive? Uh, well, you know, just you, you act like they didn't do it. Well, that's not really forgiveness, right? Uh, well, you forget what they've done. I mean, you know, you can forget it in the sense that it's not real to you, but uh, can you actually remove that memory of that event out of your, out of your mind? No, I mean, you're still going to remember it, amen? Uh, 50 years from now, you're still going to remember it. But the question is, if I bring that up to you and, and you remember that, do, do all your emotions rise up and go, you know, see, see, then you haven't really forgiven them. See, if I mention something that somebody's done to you 10 years from now and you go, oh, yeah, that's mentioned, they did do that thing. See, it's not, not real to you anymore. It's still, it's still a memory, but it's not real to you anymore. Uh, but, and some people, if you mention what somebody did, you know, they start crying. Uh, what happened? Uh, well, I mean, it was 30 years ago, but it was still just like it was yesterday. Well, then they've not, see, to pardon, that, that, that's a good technical word, right? Because pardoning somebody is uh, you as the one who is the aggrieved party have chosen as an act of your will to declare that person free from that guilt. You're not saying they didn't do it. You're saying they did do it, but I choose to, to declare you free from that guilt. See, that, that's a better understanding than acting like they never did it. That, that's mental games, right? You don't have to play mental games. You can still know, yeah, that person's a sorry individual. They're a liar, cheat, and thief. Uh, I'm going to forgive them, but they're still a liar and a cheat and thief. But see, if you can say they're a liar and a cheat and a thief without, without you know, well, then, then you're okay, right? Because some people, are just, they're, they're all liars, cheats, and thieves, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, and, and so... You're not judging them that they've expressed by their own actions that, that they won't tell you the truth. They've expressed by their own actions that they're a thief. They can't be trusted. And so you're not judging them. That's their expression of their life. Amen. But you can still say, I, I acknowledge that they are a liar and a cheat and a thief, but I choose to pardon them. And as far as I'm concerned, they've not, been, they've not done any of those things to me. They may still be that person, but they've not, as far as I'm concerned, the way I'm going to live, I'm going to live as if they've never done anything, any of those things to me. But they're still a liar and a cheat and a thief. Would you, would you trust them with your milk money after that? No, you don't have to trust them with your milk money after that, but you can still pardon them. And if the church can find that balance of that, instead of playing these mental games and trying to uh, create saints out of, out of sinners, when they're still a sinner, right, they've still done those things wrong, you don't have to change their character. That's for them to do. You, can't, you don't have to rewrite their history. They've done those things. But you can choose, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to live as if they've never done anything to me. And, and that's, that's pardoning them, people. That, that's recognizing the guilt. That's choosing to say, I recognize the guilt. I choose to declare them free from that guilt as far as I'm concerned. And then, if you're wise, what you'll do is then ask the Lord to do the same thing. Lord, uh, I'm asking you uh, to also forgive them, to wipe out their debt that they owe you because of what they've done to me, because I'm asking you to do that. And, and see, that's going the extra mile, right? That's going to a point where I'm going to make sure. Because some people say, well, I forgive you. I just hope the Lord gets you. You know, you got to wonder if they really forgave them, right? Lord, I forgive them. Get them. You know, I mean, it's just it's a little bit of a loophole there, right? It's a little bit of a, of a are, you, are you sincere in your forgiveness, right? I always, Lord, uh, I ask you that, that uh, you wipe their account of anything they've ever done to me. I can't do that what they've done to that guy over there, right? If they've also lied and cheated and stole against that guy over there, that's between them two, amen? But as far as I'm concerned, Lord, uh, I choose to forgive them and pardon them for anything they've done to me, and I'm asking you also to remove that guilt from their account 
because every every account is, is listed, right? He you know, he's going to give make an account of you. Then what he said, uh, I'm asking to wipe their account clean for what they've done to me. And so that when, when it comes to the end of days, and the Lord says, okay, uh, okay, you, you what have you done to the uh, people in your life? Uh, when it comes to my name, it's going to be a blank, nothing there, because I've asked the Lord to remove that out of their account. And see, if you can do that with all sincerity, see, that's the thing. It's not just, Lord, please forgive them, you know, and, and take away their account. That's not very sincere, right? We've got to make sure that, Lord, I, I really want you to do that. Because then you can be just like your Father in heaven. Then you can be a person who the Lord can use because he wants to move you by his compassion in your life to forgive them. Because sometimes you may be the only person that chooses to forgive somebody. And you may be the only person they see as an example of the Lord in their life. And maybe they've never, ever been forgiven because they're just, you know, some people are just terrible people. Yeah. And they've never experienced the love of God. And you may be the first person that has ever showed them the kindness of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you can see them at Walmart the next day. And that little man doesn't rise up. You know, you can see them at the grocery store. You see them at the red light and, and not to shoot their tires out, right? I mean, you, you, know, you can see them in town. And there's no, there's no ill will in your heart towards them. And, and, you, and then you know that you've succeeded. But if you do see them in town and that little man rises up, you just double up. Uh, Lord, I, for, I chose to forgive and pardon for everything they've done. I ask you to also to pardon for anything they've done uh, against me uh, in their account. And now, Lord, I ask you to bless them. Increase them, be good to them, speak to them, show them how much you love them every single day. And I will go on the aggressive attack for the blessings of their life until that little man is no longer in my heart. And see, then I can be uh, the example the Lord gave to me because I know how much the Lord has forgiven me. I appreciate that my debt to him was insurmountable and beyond anything I could ever imagine to accomplish in this lifetime and, and forever, and not just this lifetime, but forever. And so it, it's easy for me to give somebody. Now, I was reading a story just the other day about some conflict in a marriage, in, in a wedding or something. And I think like the... the uh, <clears throat> Uh, bridesmaid like stole all the money that she was supposed to uh, she was given a bunch of money to, to pay for uh, the, the uh, uh, what do they call it going to have a party there for a bachelorette party right she was supposed to pay for the bachelorette party but she stole the money <laughs> that's a really good bridesmaid right not, not, it wasn't like a you know just member of the court it was, it was the bridesmaid right the, the number one person supposed to help you she stole the money and, and then, of course, you know, the, the bride's like, well, what do I do? You know, people, I can't imagine getting online and asking for counsel from these people. Because one person said, um, you know, you, you can choose to forgive them, but it's not required. Well, that's the dumbest counsel I have ever heard. Just the best thing for you, just stay in unforgiveness. That would be perfectly fine and acceptable. Not according to my Lord. Amen. And besides that, people who remain in unforgiveness... They're as bad off as the person who, who committed the infraction as well. Yeah, you know, it's never, has it ever paid anybody to, to remain in unforgiveness? People say, you just don't know what they've done to me. It doesn't matter. We're not trying to diminish what they've done to you, but it doesn't matter. You have the all-powerful, supernatural, spectacular love of God living on the inside of you right now, more capable than, than every sin that's ever been committed in the entire history of humanity, living in you right this very second. You have the complete, total capacity to forgive anybody to declare them free from guilt as far as you're concerned anytime you want to. Any, the second, not a minute, not a month, not I'm working on it for the rest of my life, right now, this very instant. You have that capacity right now. 
Uh, and, and that's a true statement. Biblically, it's a true statement. Amen. For you to remain in unforgiveness, how does it ever help anybody? Amen. Again, you don't have to accept them back into your life. I mean, you know, it's not like the, the, the bride has to forgive the bridesmaid. Now, here's another wad of money, you know, please. No, you wouldn't have to do that. Now, if the Lord says to do that, that's fine, right? Because sometimes forgiven people are the best people you can ever work with. You ever notice that? Sometimes you can forgive people and they'll be the best employee ever, right? Uh, now, that's between you and the Lord. How you respond to that person after you forgive them is between you and the Lord. Lord, do I let them back in? Lord, the Lord may say, run, right? And, that, and that's fine. The Lord may say, give them a second chance. That's fine. Second chance and forgiveness are not the same thing. Amen? Well, the church loves to say, uh, well, God's got a second chance. I think it's a VeggieTales song, right? God's got a second chance. And he kind of is, right? And, you know, in some regards, but that, that's not the definition of forgiveness. Amen? The definition of forgiveness is you choose to pardon somebody's sins and declare them free from that guilt of that sin. End of story. Amen. What you do after that is between you and the Lord. How you deal with that person after that is between you and the Lord. And so it's not always wise to give people a second chance in that sentence. And sometimes that once and done, right? Uh, and I'll tell you this story. We'll go. I know years ago, my pastor, he would, he would ask me to go deal with certain circumstances that he didn't want to deal with, right? And so the, the, uh, um, the secretary who handed all the finance of the church, she was embezzling money from the church. Uh, and she was doing that because she had gotten behind on paying her tithes. So she was stealing money from the church to, to pay the tithes of her income. Now, you just got to think about that for a while. I mean, you got to be like, that's really dumb. I mean, I, even to this day, that happened like 20 years ago. I'm still think, how do you get there from here? Right? How do you get from... From, you know, I'm behind on my tithes. I'm going to steal money from the church, right? I mean, it wasn't, if you stole it from a homeless guy, okay, well, fine, we'll let that go, right? But no, you stole it from the church. It's not okay. I'm just, you know, uh, it's not okay to steal money from a homeless guy. I'm just saying that. But, I mean, you're going to steal money from the church to pay your tithes to the church, right? And so, all that matters is the books look okay, but the Lord knows the truth of it, right? And so, and she's the one keeping the books anyway. She could, she'd have been better off just going and just lying on the books, right? And saying, well, I paid the tithe, right? I mean, What's the difference? No difference, I don't guess. But anyway, so pastor, you go deal with that. Well, thanks. You know, I'd love to deal with that. And so went talked to her and, and said, you know, we should fire you. We could fire you. Have just cause to fire you. But I just the compassion of the Lord just rose up in my heart. And thinking, you know, this person will be the best secretary after this forgiveness uh, of any secretary ever. Because they knew they, they, they would have known. And, they, and she turned out to be a great secretary after that. Never any problems with anything like that again. Uh, and uh, there were other things that you know, we could have dealt with later on. But as far as that part of it goes, she was the most accurate and, and uh, uh, faithful secretary that you can imagine. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes uh, a second chance, see, the second chance came after the forgiveness. I could have forgiven her and still fired her. Uh, it would have been fine, right? I mean, I, we had a just cause to fire him. But, you know, uh, you've got you to gotta, uh, find out from the Lord, what do we do now? Now that we've forgiven them, now that we've pardoned them, what do you want me to do now? And Lord may say, separate from them. Okay, no problem, Lord. Because they're just terrible people, right? And, and, and sometimes they just, they won't ever come along. So you deal with that part on your own. But forgiving, forgiving them is something that you're perfectly capable of right now. And see, when the compassion of the Lord rises up in you to forgive them right now, you do it right now. You don't wait. You don't try it. You don't see if you can do it. You do it right now. Because the compassion of the Lord will, will show you, yeah, I've forgiven you so much. 
yeah, you're right, Lord. I'll cho I choose to pardon this person, declare them free from that guilt. And your compassion gives me that ability to do that. Amen? And so don't tell me you're working on it, you know, because if you say I'm working on it, I'm trying, you know, you don't know what it's done to me. All I'm hearing is blah, 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 blah. It, none of it's scriptural. None of it's biblical. Amen? I wanna, if the Lord says I can do it, you know what I believe? I believe I can do it. Amen? Now, and so you have the love of God in you right now. You have the capacity to forgive every single person who's ever done anything to you this very moment, this very second. Amen? Uh, and I would encourage you, if there's anything, you know, if, uh, if you're just driving down the road, you think about, you know, Sister Doodad or whatever, and the little man rises up, you, you know, I wish I could find her right now. Forgive her right then. Amen? Uh, you think about what so-and-so did to you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right? Uh, immediately, as soon as that thought rises up, you get aggressive. Lord, I choose to pardon them, to be free from that guilt of that. And I ask you to pardon them for the guilt that they've committed against you to do that to me. And I ask you to bless them, increase them, be good to them, Father. Prosper them, everything they lay their hands to, Father. Give them uh, divine health, inspiration, uh, soundness of mind. You, you pray for them until, until that little man's gone. Amen. And then, see, then you'll be free. You'll be completely free from that. Amen. You don't want to be uh, in the bondage of that unforgiveness. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, first of all, we acknowledge that your spirit lives on the inside of us, Father. <clears throat> your spirit, the same love uh, that forgave the entire world, lives on the inside of me right now, Father. That love of God is shed abroad in my hearts this very moment. Father, that gives me an infinite capacity to forgive. It gives me an infinite capacity to ask you to also forgive what people have done to me. And, Father, we choose from this very day to live uh, as if nobody has ever done anything to me, Father. We don't ignore it. We don't justify it. We don't make uh, mental games about why they did it or why they didn't do it. Father, we just choose to pardon and to declare free from guilt by the same power of the love of God that you have shed in our hearts and that you showed by example there in the parable in Matthew chapter 18. We thank you for that, Father. We give you all the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's, let's uh, get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Can we do this? Do you have the capacity to forgive every single time? You've you got to declare that. You've got to say that with your mouth. Lord, I have the capacity to do that. I can do it. I, in fact, you know, then you've got to go on and actually do it, right? Uh, but uh, don't ever let your words be in conflict with the Word of God. Come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. Don't ever say, Lord, I can't do that. And see, now your words are in conflict with the Word of God. So which one is correct? Is your statement that you can't do it correct? Or is the Word of God correct that you can do it? Well, we know that the Word of God is correct, right? Mentally we know, but can you live that way? Amen? Uh, and so, so just uh, as Jared finishes it up there, um, we'll, we'll pray here real quick and then, and then we'll dismiss you. Don't forget we have uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock. And... Um, uh, just real quick with their heads bowed and eyes closed for a minute, let's just uh, say one more prayer. Um, if there's uh, anybody who, who has not accepted the Lord Jesus uh, before today, amen, has never accepted the love of God to be shed abroad in your hearts uh, by accepting the Lord Jesus, uh, and uh, you'd like to accept the Lord Jesus today, you'd like to get saved, you're born again, uh, on your way to heaven, if you'd like to accept him uh, and you'd like us to pray with you and pray for you, if you raise your hand, we'll be glad to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, it was good and kind. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy.
And so praise God. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, uh, appreciate your uh, uh, faithful giving today. And uh, I hope that helped today because this is one of my favorite topics because I, I believe that unforgiveness is a huge problem in the church. Amen. And a lot of times the church turns us into religious people of you've got you to forgive them and then let them back in your life and do all these things. No, you don't have to do all that stuff. But you do have to forgive them, pardon them, amen, declare them free from guilt. Uh, and then after that, you can decide from the Lord's wisdom about how you should let them be part of your life. You know, maybe they never be part of your life. That's fine, amen. Just don't li live in unforgiveness towards them. Uh, and so be blessed. Uh, we'll see you at 3 o'clock.